Hi, Rowan here. I just wanted to make a quick disclaimer that some of the volume levels for the different podcast hosts may be slightly uh, mismatched. Uh, what I mean by that is some hosts are significantly quieter than others. And unfortunately, there was nothing I could do about that in editing, uh, you know, without dedicating three years of my life. So uh, I hope that doesn't distract you too much and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Watch and Wine Podcast, a show about cinema brought to you by Mercy, Maria, and Rowan. You can find us on Discord for in-depth film discussion and live podcast sessions, or the Instagram account for more film content. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. My name is Rowan, and you can find me on Letterboxd at Rosace, and you can find me on Twitter at Rowan underscore Roz. And I'm joined by my co-hosts, Maria, Mercy, and Lauren. Hey, I'm Maria. You can find me on Letterboxd as Maria, R-O-M. And I'm Mercy. You can find me on Letterboxd at literally underscore Mercy. This is Lauren. My Letterboxd handle is at Lolo's app. Uh, something interesting I noticed uh, between last episode and this episode is that every single person, every single host has five letters in their name, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so Lauren... L-O-R-E-N, me, R-O-H-A-N, Mercy, and then Maria. So, uh, a bit of a weird <laughs> a coincidence. requirement. Yeah, yeah, like all new hosts. Guys. Guests on the podcast, you have to have a five-letter name. We kind of like <laughs> Shelzo in here or Josh, because they, they just don't match. All right. Wait, isn't Shelzo, is that, wait. I, I assume it's, it's not our legal name. I'm dumb. We're not going off uh, legal names. Actually, yes, we are. Wait, we're all using our legal names. Yeah. To introduce ourselves yeah okay so depending on whether or not we're just shouting out random users in the discord that yeah. probably regular yeah. viewers don't know but that's fine uh welcome to the show uh we're going to talk about some i think interesting things this episode we're going to do a little bit of a breakdown on queer cinema and especially take a deep dive into portrait of a lady on fire i think uh and we're also going to follow up on the letterbox 250 discussion that we started last week and we're going to talk about the godfather part two and harakiri and we're also going to do some questions, uh, some more questions. We like doing questions. We got some really good ones this week, actually. Uh, so yeah, you can uh, yeah, leave your questions in the in the Watch and Wine Discord server. That's where we're all from. We're all moderators of the Watch and Wine Discord server. It's a film focused uh, kind of hub. Uh, Maria, do you want to do a little bit of an introduction, as per usual? Oh yeah. Uh, well. We're a Discord server focused on horror, foreign, and art house movies. So uh, if you're interested in any of these topics, uh, feel free to join. You're going to like it here. Yeah, we also got an Instagram that uh, Mercy is running, I think, single-handedly. And Maria, I think, might be doing the... Maria is a really fancy graphic designer, and I think she's doing all of the... Maria is our fearless leader on the content end. If you see all of the uh, oh, yeah. all of the the podcast art, like all of those, look at like album cover things. That's all Maria. It's all her. Uh, so, uh, applause. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that's how you know to tune in for streams and all of the other fun events that we have going on in the server. But anyway, yeah. So yeah. we have the Instagram that is uh, run by us. We also have a brand new podcast Twitter run by me and. I mean, I, I don't really have any idea how to use Twitter, but uh, for all intents and purposes, it's just for kind of updating 
<laughs> okay, uh, so what have you guys been watching this week? I've, I've watched a lot of stuff. Maria is so impressive because she literally watches like seven films a day. I don't know how she does it, but... I can barely get away with yeah, watching like I... seven movies a month on some of my slower yeah. months. Oh, today I want to I want to talk about two movies actually that I watched Ooh, uh, yesterday. One today, one is Game Night. Oh, uh, you watched I know that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I watched it just because of you. You know, yeah. I was like curious about what uh, your mind was going on with this movie, and I'm so disappointed. Oh, <laughs> I. No. It, it was terrible. I mean, you need to watch uh, Fincher's movie uh, called Game, the Game, <laughs> because that's that's the, the the legit one. You know, it's I, I just feel like this Game Night was a cheaper copy of the game, and I didn't like that because I, I knew already what's going on, and I don't know. I thought the game was and... a thriller. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Very, but very different genres, but yeah, it's yeah. kind of like a married with kids, like I'm so deflated comedy, that you comedy version it. of. I I liked it uh, when I watched it a, a couple summers. I thought it was a fun like summer movie. It's not like the best written, but it has a good cast, supporting cast. I really like um, Jesse Plemons. Jesse, is yeah, fucking Jesse Plemons great. He feels the movie hilarious. as like the weird neighbor. Yeah, who yeah. like wants to be invited to the game nights and it's the kind of movie where it can be relatable without being kind of cringy because like that's a trap a lot of movies fall into where it's like just because it's a relatable situation means that uh, we're gonna engage with it and that's something that usually turns me off from wanting to watch a movie. I mean, I can talk about the other movie that I wanted to talk. Yes, we want to hear Maria. What else have you been watching this week? Oh yeah, today I watched three movies. Three movies. But today. There's one. Yeah, but there's this one in particular that I really liked. It okay. was called uh, the Day Trippers. It's from 1996. It's so cool. I I just wanna recommend it because it is so chaotic. It is the same director that that Superbad and Adventureland. So it's like comedy, but uh, drama, and so chaotic and, and wild. I just, I just loved it. It was, it was a fun movie. I, I clicked on, I, I clicked on it because I saw your review. Uh, you mentioned the Tooch is in it, and I love Stanley Tucci because he. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, like you said, he's very versatile and <laughs> yeah. just kind of a blast. The Tooch. Yeah. Yeah, is Stanley that... Tucci. Is that a nickname like ScarJo, or did you just make that up on the fly? Oh, I've heard it around. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> Huge. What? What? Can you recommend the third movie, Maria, or is that a pass? No. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I watched uh, The Way Home. It's a South Korean movie. Uh, it's a feel-good movie. Uh, you know about this. Uh, a city boy that goes to to stay with her with his uh, grandmother in the in the yields you know like in the country um, mm -hmm. with uh, you know cows and this stuff it's a very good movie and i'm trying to watch more uh, korean movies so this one was uh, an enjoyable movie. yeah that's my third recommendation 
Nice. Yeah, Korean Korean cinema hits different, honestly. I, I yeah. have a Korean movie I want to talk about, too. Um, I finally watched The Wailing, uh, oh, which was just, like, a lot, of, a lot of fun. Yeah. Marie uh, and I love The Wailing. I saw, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't rate it as highly as you two. Um, just, I don't know. They're, the I love the tonal kind of shifts and, like, how intense some scenes are and then how like funny and um almost like slapstick comedy uh other scenes are the uh main character detective is just like so incompetent through the first half and just kind of like stares at stares at what's happening and he's like not sure what to do um yeah i really like the scene where his um partner or like he's not a partner he's kind of he kind of works below him but he's telling him like uh, the scary story about this demon in the woods and it kind of like cuts back to them and he's just so freaked out um yeah. and like the jump scare that happens right after that just is totally works because of the they just transition between those tones really well I, I liked that I could have watched one more hour of that I know that that movie is almost three hours but I could have watched four hours of that movie I was so invested yeah and the, the cast is great too the um little girl that plays his daughter was really freaky she oh, yeah. gives me like exorcist vibes um and she is possessed but yeah that was a good acting yeah the cast is great the tone is really great too it's very consistent throughout and then the ending i think comes out of nowhere at least for me um yeah uh i watched some movies bleh, bleh, bleh. can't talk I watched some movies this week. Uh, obligatory. Most of them are just in the cinemas. I didn't really... I got around to some of them, but mostly they were for the podcast. I watched The Godfather and stuff. But I watched oh. The Conjuring 3, and I watched The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. That's too many dumb words in one title. But, uh, yeah, I have watched the two dumb ones that are in cinemas at the moment. Uh, so, starting with Hitman's Bodyguard, God, fuck. Hitman's wife's bodyguard. <laughs> qualifiers. It's all good. I, I haven't seen... Uh, the, actually, I just want to dis disclaimer. I'm, I'm sick right now, so if I sound like I have a clogged nose, then uh, my apologies. But uh, it's not actually that bad. Like, Hitman's wife's bodyguard is... It's possible because uh, of the performance of the main two guys. Because they're not just doing their own thing. Like, you know how Ryan Reynolds just does his thing usually uh you know how yeah, they just have the their first, default the mode movie, yeah the first movie they're basically playing like the public personas who are like, yeah. also assassins i thought well, okay well, i actually like well, i haven't seen the first one i just imagine they're kind of playing the same characters but i thought it was completely the opposite mm. uh ryan reynolds is not just doing his dumb like witty shit like he he's just playing kind of a normal comedy character but he he's more charismatic than i think he usually is because his style of comedy usually just turns me off, but I was really vibing with it this time. And, and Samuel L. Jackson was not just being the, the like the serious guy who says motherfucker a lot. He was being the goofy guy that says motherfucker a lot. Uh, but he he was playing a different character than I, than I usually see him in. I usually see him in more dramatic roles, and I think I don't know. I'd like to see Sam Jackson in more comedies. I, I assume he's been in like a ton of comedies, but this one just felt a different vibe. If that makes sense. 
Uh, it, it goes down a few notches because of how they kind of handle Salma Hayek. I mean, they don't really give her anything to do besides, like, wear low-cut shirts the whole movie. Like, that's basically the whole joke. But it's just... it's It doesn't hit at all. It's really dumb. It doesn't justify his existence, but, it, like, it's... I don't know. It's possible, in my opinion. It, it's one of those, like, Zombieland 2 situations where it... It's just more. It looks like it's just more of the same of the first. And if you like the first, then you might like the second. I, I've seen more positive reviews for the second than the first. Uh, but onto but onto the Conjuring three. I think Maria, you've seen this. Yeah. This is this is another sequel where I haven't seen the rest of the ones in the in the trilogy. So th this is my introduction to kind of like possession horror. I, I, I've there's some bot that's going around the like movie servers i think maria you shared it with us that you enter in your letterbox username and it like artificial intelligence generates a list of you know like w what it thinks you would like the best like it makes a recommendation list for you okay. uh you know what i'm talking about no i i, I remember that it's called the movie matrix yeah yeah i did it yeah it recommended the exorcist as like my top thing mm. I'll find oh, you watch, yeah. so you watched The Conjuring 3? Yeah, yeah, I watched The Conjuring 3. <laughs> and I, I didn't really like the whole thing, but I thought everything uh, about the possession was handled pretty well. That introduction scene, that the the opening scene was the best bit in the whole movie. And it it kind of started with uh, trying to get this demon out of this little kid. And he's, like, distorting his body. And there's, like, I don't know, a lot of cool visual elements that freaked me out a little bit actually but uh yeah it, it was honestly solid more solid than i was expecting uh yeah and vera farmiga and patrick wilson they, they actually do really good performances especially patrick wilson they're they're really kind of watchable and they, they, don't, they don't have that dumb horror movie kind of they, mm. they don't feel cheap if you know what i mean I've only seen the first Conjuring, but I thought they were the best part of it. They they have really good like chemistry, and they're they're very believable characters. It feels like you're watching yeah. like a historical drama almost. Um, except and, it's and of course the real life supernatural. The real life Warrens are obviously like scam artists, but the movies are good. So, mm -hmm. Mercy, have you watched anything good this week? Oh gosh, I haven't watched too much this week. Um, I rewatched Before Sunrise, which is a guilty pleasure film because um, I love some Richard Linklater in my life. Uh, yeah, it's just as sweet and memorable as I remember, so I need to rewatch the rest of the trilogy. And then I saw Paprika, which is a animated film yeah. by Takashi Kon for the first time. And that was really great, a great exploration of identity. Um, and I haven't had too much time to, I think, mentally unpack it, but I really unexpectedly enjoyed it. Kind of want to watch it again. Um, it hit me very much as like a similar to Inception in terms of the dream within a dream concept, but I want to unpack it a little bit more with the details. Actually, uh, all the movies from that director, from the Paprika one, are so amazing. I watched all of them already, and they are so good. I really recommend them all. Like Perfect yeah. Blue, The Satoshi Kon's, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's so cool. I liked the uh, Millennium Actress a lot, but Paprika was my oh, yeah. 
first and like i think it's always gonna be my favorite because yeah it is similar to inception i think it honestly has some parallels to inside um as well just because of like the whole like living on the internet and what like a dreamlike experience the internet can be when you're like people just become so absorbed I wanted yeah. to see Millennium Actress. It's on um, Amazon Prime right now, and it's on my watch yeah. list, so I need to prioritize that before they take it off. Millennium Actress made me cry so much. Really? Yeah. It broke my heart. I mean, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, but it just teared me. It broke me so, so bad. Lauren, how about you? Any recent favorite watches? Um, Today, well, there's a heat wave in uh, the Pacific Northwest right now, so we're kind of stuck inside um i'm i'm like dripping sweat and i'm inside but my partner and i watched um miley cyrus's uh oh god i didn't even look up i want to get the name wrong throw down one throw down i don't know if that's the title but it doesn't Uh, no she just did a god she just did a live show for peacock on like streaming so i think anyone can watch it with ads it's called miley cyrus stand by you and it's just a bunch of um like other queer like country rock pop people the only one i knew beforehand was orville peck because he does like indie rock kind of but it it was just a lot of fun to watch. It was like for Pride Month, um, and it kind of sucks it being like too hot to even go outside and do anything because um, there's usually like a big parade here, and it it's like a multi day sort of event at the last weekend um, of the month. But this was like an okay substitute. Um, they played a lot of classic like gay anthems like uh believe by Cher and that was like at the very beginning and Miley just has a great voice and I think she totally deserves the like rock star celebrity like godlike status that she's kind of obtained she used to be really controversial because she you know sold herself well I think but and I I don't know some people just hate her because she started out as like a Disney starlet but her last album is like something I regularly listen to just because she's got a great voice and there's good covers on there. So um, if you're gay and stuck inside, I think you should watch it because it's just, just kind of made me feel good. Not, I don't know. That is not the perfect recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> if you're gay and you're inside, this is the film. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it starts with the Hannah Montana um the movie like reference to with her dad like coming up to her dressing room and knocking on her door and he like opens it and all these like feathers fly out but um yeah check it out very cool i hadn't heard of it but that sounds like a very fun also that's cool that uh peacock got the rights to it because i feel like they don't usually have a lot of up-and-coming stuff that people might tune into yeah this is the first thing i've ever like used peacock for 
I uh, I get it for free because my internet provider is Xfinity, and so it's like a part of it. And I was really surprised because I was scrolling on it the other day, and they have like Jurassic Park and a couple of really random one-off popular films. But other than that, it's you know the oh. Office is on there, so it's mostly like TV. I think that people would get it for. I worked in Infinity, so it was fun. <laughs> I was in the call center. Wait, no way. Yeah. Were you fixing people's internet problems? Yeah. Oh gosh, I'm so sorry. That sounds like a horrible job. <laughs> yeah. For for American people, so they were like, uh, "Do you have anyone who speaks English there?" So I was like, "Okay, yeah." Oh, I'll say one more movie that I really liked. Um, to make an even three and to remind you guys to like start watching them, but the Human Condition trilogy, uh, is on the letterbox top 250 um and the third one is actually like the first one that's highest ranked but i watched the first one uh over the course of two nights just because it's it's really long and there's an intermission in the middle so i just thought i'd split it there but i actually thought i was gonna like have to turn it off and like go to sleep but it was so compelling and um just one of those movies where like you have to find you really want to find out what happens next and it's this terrible uh situation uh in manchuria when right before world war ii japan was in uh china for like i think a whole decade basically um they took over north china and they ran these terrible like labor camps um and there's a civilian uh kind of bureaucrat uh young guy he's only 28 he falls in love and at the very beginning of the movie and him and his wife move out to oversee or like kind of help run this labor camp and he's put in charge of all these um uh they call them uh, special special prisoners but they're just civilians and um really interesting kind of labor situation uh just because they have all the, they have all these men locked up, and then the Manchurian women are used at for sex by the Japanese, and then they're also like they they their services are provided to the prisoners to you to like keep them in line, um, and some of them fall in love, but the main character is kind of this like uh, humanist who you know is against exploitative labor, but has found himself in this kind of evil bureaucracy that doesn't you know is is there to keep people um working but i i'm excited to talk about it with everyone yeah uh, sounds, sounds fun that's the same director as harakiri correct um i should probably know that um i think i think it is i could be wrong but because i was look i only know it because i was looking Oh, the, yes, it is. Masaki, yeah, Masaki Kobayashi. Very cool. She also did oh, Kwai Don, which I've heard a lot about. Okay. But That's a really cool, I appreciate when World War II is talked about from more perspectives outside of just the two greater powers, because I feel like there's so much that happened beyond uh, specifically the U.S. fighting Germany, which is, I think, kind of that dialogue gets too much center stage, so... Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. All all of World War II is very Eurocentric when it's like talked about, and mm -hmm. yeah, China 
was at war with one of the Axis powers for a yeah. long time before that even. So there, and that like resentment actually like carries to the 21st century, um, just within like small student protests that have popped up. Um, but yeah, I, I recommend everyone watch that just for like the, that that's so fun. I didn't, I should have realized it was the same director because he literally does the like Dutch camera angle when there's someone like being, uh, you know, executed, um, which like comes up again and again in Harakiri, but we can, we can move on if anyone else wants to talk about what else they watched, but I think we've all gone through. I think we've uh, we've cycled through everyone. So. Okay, we can move on to the questions then if we want. All right, yeah. transition noise. Yeah. Whoosh. All right, so our first question for today. Uh, we actually got some really good questions today, like I previously mentioned. But uh, we'll start with where did I write the questions? I have them written here somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so have we done any movie watching challenges? Uh, if so. What was our last slash current one and best movies you've discovered from it? This question is from Bugsy, a member in the Watch and Wine Discord server. Uh, have you guys had any movie watching challenges in the past or present? Oh no, I hate them. Yeah? Really? Yeah, I just can't keep up with them, you know? I kind of agree. Like, it puts a pressure on me. And I, I don't know. It's it's satisfying when you, when you do them, but... Uh, yeah, it's it, they're really stressful sometimes, depending on the content of them. Uh, I had a. Aww. I'm gonna. What'd you say? Oh, I have one. I have one that I really love. That is, uh, well, isn't really a challenge, but it's you know like a, like based on my uh, zodiac sign and my astral chart, I get uh, some movie recommendations, so I have to watch them to to see if you know I can. Uh, find any similarity between my personality and these movies you know i like that i i haven't done it i haven't done it i i just have it there <laughs> where did, where did uh, you yeah. get the recommendations from oh it's a it's a girl that makes that stuff in letterbox mm. yeah she's quite popular actually her name that's is really, that's a really unique one i like that yeah, I haven't done it because I don't like those challenges, but I have it there. Just saved in my archive. Well, I kind of want to look up what my what what they think Virgos should watch. Are you a Virgo? I'm I'm a Virgo too. Huh? Apparently, that's bad. Oh, nice. Oh yeah, we're the worst. But we're the worst. I, I I like you, Roz. Yeah, I think we're pretty cool. Do Virgo a Virgo supposed to like like each other? You know. Uh, like, I don't we're think always. No. I, I have no idea what I'm supposed to be. It's I'm by a... your your birth date. Yeah, I know, but like, what what does that uh, determine? Am I an asshole? It, like, no, you're just a obsessive freak. <laughs> it says the one who watches like seven movies what? a day. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm German. I'm crazy, but that's 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 not my only flaw. Your only flaw. Yeah. When you only have one flaw. Yeah. <laughs> not, a, not a lot of room for growth. <laughs> you just, yeah. you're, you're perfect, except you watch movies too much. That's your only flaw in life. 
I mean, it's a, it's an only floor, but it's it's quite big. I mean, it it entails mm. many many stuff, you know. Fair enough. I mean, like when you're crazy, what what does it mean? You know, like you can be uh, crazy. You know, it it means many things. So. I think horoscopes and stuff are like cool, but I feel like a lot of it can be chalked down to like because I read other horoscopes, just kind of like random ones, and I just like kind of see myself in like every single horoscope I read. So like, mm-hmm. I'm like I could be I could be an asshole or I could be a false Virgo. I don't know. Uh, sorry, I, I'll, this might be another after credits conversation. We should. We're going off topic here. Uh, Rowan, you, you mentioned a film challenge you've done previously uh, in the last podcast. Uh, yeah, so my one was pretty basic. I, I've, I got into film pretty recently, actually, if you can't tell by my inexperience in talking about movies analytically. But basically, I had a, I had a watch list of like 40 movies that basically every single, uh, as Lauren dubbed, uh, film bros that like every single kind of cinephiles have, have seen sort of i just listed out 40 of them because there were 40 days left in the year and i just watched them all uh i didn't end up watching them all i got about halfway through it, it, it contained kind of like really famous stuff like casablanca and uh the thing and everything like that uh i ended up watching all of the movies in the in the list but not within the within the time frame so i failed the challenge i'm a challenge failure uh <laughs> you did you did watch all of them eventually though you yeah yeah, yeah. a little bit the last one being the godfather part two which we will talk about today I think the whole point of a challenge that's one of the things that's hard about uh like i did hooptober last year which was in october and that's a bunch of um horror movie prompts and it's all within one month and i'm like still making my way through the ones that I put on the list because I intend to watch them. They're all on my watch list, but like 30 plus movies in one month is definitely a lot. Um, So I kind of prefer, this is my first like full year on Letterboxd. So I'm doing three different challenges that are for the entirety of the year and I'm behind, which is very not like me, but um, I'm doing the Honey, I I Shrunk the Watch List Challenge, which think the girl who created her name is nina um and it's basically just a bunch of prompts to help you randomize your watch list and cut down on it which i don't know i think is super helpful Um, it's a really cute name yeah it's very it's literally you know sort by most popular or least popular which was released the earliest like a movie from a specific decade the shortest film the longest and it just i don't know it's a bunch of random prompts so that's kind of a fun way to cut down on your watch list if you're like me and you have more than 700 films on there <laughs> i'm i'm at 699 <laughs> it's, that's the challenge for you yeah that still counts i you, i was gonna say that's that's a great intro intro because i saw that you were doing this um and i also copied it um it seemed Wait. like a lot of fun um i'm at 16 out of 35 okay. right now which is like pretty good you're much um, farther than me. Yeah, I was putting a lot of work into it for a while. Um, I saw some pretty good stuff, and I actually wanted to like seek out other challenges to kind of like get me to watch more stuff. So I right. started the Criterion Challenge. Uh, How has that been? I've seen that's really uh, popular not... this year. <laughs> yeah, it is popular. I made it um, a whole six in. It looks like I- I'd like to go back, and I know 
every time I watch a movie with the Criterion logo, I'm like, I bet this fits somewhere in. I'm like looking at these prompts right now. I know I watched a movie for our roulette, like film club <laughs> challenge uh, on the server made in India last week that had the Janus films and Criterion logo. So I can put that on here. So that one needs to be updated. Um, I actually watched Harakiri on the Honey, I Shrunk the Watchlist Challenge. It's one of my, for number 22, one of your, or like your, from your favorite genre. And I really like historical like fiction. So I went with that one. Um, nice. 17, watching me with that stars one of your favorite actresses is probably the best one I've seen. Because uh, I watched, finally watched Melancholia with Kirsten Dunst. And that movie is just like, Oh, yeah. Such a like sublime experience. Yeah. Um, you wrecked me that for roulette. What What did you think of it? Uh, I thought it was. Uh, yeah, it's really hard to kind of describe it. It's definitely an experience. Uh, I, I like how they split it into two, and each of the protagonists kind of represents either depression or existential anxiety. Like that mm -hmm. that final shot with because that whole scene uh, i don't know how to say this without spoiling the movie i think the concept you of the movie kind the of movie spoils itself yeah yeah i think the spoiler is in the description but uh yeah the planet crashes into earth the earth gets destroyed and they kind of set up this little safe space with the kid so that the kid feels safe while he meets his imminent doom and uh they're holding hands with the kid and the planet crashes into them, and and the lady that we're that we're watching with the with the existential anxiety just freaks the fuck out, and I can relate. So that's what I'd be doing. That it's just terrifying. That final shot was terrifying to me. That that really hit me. Just that panic, <laughs> like nothing, like nothing else would matter in that moment. You're fucked. You know, mm. probably probably one of the scariest uh, kind of moments I'd seen in, in probably all of film because I can. I feel like that'd be me. Yeah, the final shot was so like cathartic to me, and the way they just kind of accept accept their fate. It's really mm -hmm. kind of yeah, heartbreaking. But um, also, I loved watching it in the. Another one of the haunting moments way. is when she's got the wire contraption thing and. Uh, I think her husband convinces her that the planet's going away and she holds it up and the planet's smaller and she's all relieved. And then later on in the movie, she, she holds the wire contraption up again and the the planet's closer this time. That was fucking, like, terrifying. That sh yeah. I would shit my pants in that moment. <laughs> Mel and Folio is a weird one for me because my first exposure to Von Trier was uh, Antichrist. And so I watched it, and I was oh. expecting something very tonally similar, just because Antichrist has a lot of scenes that are still in my uh, <laughs> nightmare. Mm. And then I was like, oh, this is actually a little bit softer of a film in terms of explicit content, but it's much more sad and heartbreaking to me. Yeah. Uh, has anyone else got a challenge that participated in that I'd like to talk about? Or if we all... I think we've all set out these. Kind of, I, I kind of created my own um, that isn't as much a challenge. It's more just like a watch list for really long movies that I kept on see like pop up. On, I saw that. 
yeah, I, I was really proud of it and I want to get through more, but, um, my, my friend Josh, uh, has, has helped a lot. Uh, he keeps on, he kept on like sending me more and more. So, um, it's basically just like popular more than like 5,000 views, uh, very highly rated movies that are over 200 minutes. I kind of picked as an arbitrary number. They, they aren't part of series. Um, so the human condition is out, even though it's very popular. Um, it's just kind of, I called them like singular experiences. They aren't mini series, um, mm. that are worth quote unquote worth watching. Um, so the list is called long ass movies worth watching. And I slowly started kind of ranking them. Um, so I have 10, um, with Gone with the Wind, Gone with the Wind in number ten, because that movie is kind of, oh yeah, like super racist and just lost cause <laughs> narrative is, is so dumb. But um, I ended up putting Malcolm X at number one because that yeah. just like blew me away. <laughs> like best, best, easily the best biopic I've ever seen. Um, I ended up watching World on a Wire, uh, directed by Rainier uh, Werner Fassbender. Uh, the, the German, uh, which is, I, I want to read the synopsis because it's very short, but it just like grabbed me. And I knew I was going to like it. So I bought it. I bought the criterion because it fits on my criterion challenge. Uh, it ended up on the honey. I shrank the watch list challenge. And then it was like part of this. Uh, but the, the, the plot is that a uh, cybernetics engineer, Fred Stiller, uh, undercovers a massive corporate conspiracy involving a virtual reality computer project so it's kind of like uh the matrix if there was more like corporate espionage and um just really amazing sets uh i really really cool synth soundtrack um i also put it on a list i made of movies that i was actually too stoned to watch because i was so engrossed in it i didn't realize i was only halfway through the movie <laughs> Because they, it's one of those movies where they like they play the credits at the end of part one, and I was just like kind of blown uh... away, sitting sitting in my garage. I'd set up the projector, um, smoking marijuana because it's very legal for me as an adult in Washington to do so, and I, I loved it. And I thought the ending was brilliant of part one. I sat my parents down like three weeks later to watch it, and I like slowly realized I had. You know, smoked too much a month previously, and um, I actually liked the, the the first ending more than the second ending. But it's it's a really cool movie. Um, I, I recommend it to anyone that likes a really like colorful, like technology kind of um, very stylish sci-fi world on a wire. Oh, I see. I, I, I actually. It, it sounds interesting. I I actually really hate like long movies like that list mm -hmm. looks like a nightmare to me i watched that i'm like fuck no <laughs> yeah. like generally when I, I when i was doing roulette i used to specify that if you want to if you want a good rating for me maybe stick to under two hours because like that's generally what i digest the easiest uh, -huh. uh there are very few three hour or like two and a half hour plus movies that i will actually enjoy sorry my nose is blocked right now uh but uh, I I did watch Schindler's List in the in the past week back to back mm. with The Godfather Part Two, 
and I thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed both of those movies. So I think that maybe I'm starting to come around with the with longer narratives, so character development mm-hmm. for myself. Maybe it just needs to be a good film. Maybe yeah, but that's true. But I've seen plenty <laughs> of uh, good films that haven't hooked me. I, I, I'll find some examples on my letterbox, maybe. Yeah. Uh, you can sort by, like, watch list. But uh, I, I can probably do that later. The only other um, challenge shout-out that I would give for this year is I'm also doing the 52 Films by Women challenge. Um, just for oh, anyone yeah. who's interesting and kind of highlighting a lot of female directors who get very much overlooked in a male-dominated industry so that's been really fun you're supposed to watch um one per week for the entirety of the year i'm going a little bit slower than that but um it was really fun honestly to build out this list just again if you're interested in exploring female directors beyond some of the more popular ones so even like i don't know saint Maud recently came out so in the niche horror mm. vein or like never rarely sometimes always which is a film on female relationships in the context of abortion um the trevi you know promising young woman was recent there's i saw revenge which is a really fun thriller just there's a lot of good stuff on there so Give me yeah a shout out to that. i didn't remember i was i'm doing the, that challenge too i'm halfway through it yeah it's really it's been really good it's interesting how i think I mean, I'll be honest, it was a little bit hard for me to build mine, which I think was just sign that I need to be watching more female-originated cinema. Um, so it, it's encouraging, I think, to have a list that I can go through. Yeah, I was shocked too, because I mean, I have my watch list is around 530 movies. Okay. And when I watched, I was doing this this list, I realized that I only have like maximum 60 movies made mm. out of women. So that made me so sad. <laughs> To, you know, to realize that I don't many movies to watch that are made. Yeah. And there's some, it's interesting too, because, you know, like I put American Psycho and Lost in Translation and some big, quote unquote, big name films on my list that mm-hmm. I just have never seen. Um, and they're female directed. And I, I guess I never made that connection in my head of like, wow, how, how have I never made Conscious Down to sit down? Conscious time, I should say, to sit down and watch this. So. Yeah. American Psycho is one of my favorite like female directed movies which is kind of ironic for how like just awful and misogynistic the yeah I was about to is, say but <laughs> um I I'm always trying to you know diversify my what my you know watching habits um and I always kind of notice I think at in opening credits when I you know notice female names and like the director writer um there there who is the joke someone has a joke about oh god i think it's louis ck no 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 no. it's not louis ck it's um (laughs) oh i can't remember his name uh something pat uh he's short (laughs) god anyway he has a joke about how all great like movies are edited by women and about how like producing movies is such like this egotistical masculine pursuit and then women like quote unquote like clean up and have to like you know put it in a real story and like jaws star wars all these like really famous movies scorsese has a uh there's a there's a woman who edits a lot of his movies that he works very closely with but I can I ask like how you 
because there's obviously there should be there there's obviously no sort function on letterbox like by gender how, how did you compile that list um, i actually i dug through my watch list that was my mm. big thing because i knew i had a lot of stuff on there that was female directed so i just did literally like page by page um there's a couple of you know like i'm trying to think uh I think I have one Greta Gerwig film on there. Like, there's a couple of more popular, or I guess for this specific period of time, female directors. Uh, Sophia Coppola. I don't Coppola. Know if I'm saying that right. Coppola. Um, yeah, in... like I watched Virgin Suicides this year. Um, I hadn't seen that by her. But oh, that's a yeah. lovely movie. It really surprised me. It was very. It was not what I was expecting. Um, but I enjoyed it. I was very surprised. Uh. Yeah, Did you know so that uh, Sofia Coppola was was related to Francis Ford Coppola? I did yeah. not know that. Yeah, she's uh, his daughter. Fact. Oh, interesting. Have you seen Boston <laughs> Translation yet? Or is that I've not, you're still getting no. to? It's mm. it's on there. It's on the list. Uh, in the interest really of weird. time, do we want to move on to the second question? Because that's a uh, that's one question. Yeah, let's do it. Let me find it so I can I can word it how it was written. Alright, so Shelzo, one of the fellow moderators from the Watch and Wine Discord server. Not that there's any bias towards who we're picking questions from. I just thought this was a really cool question. Uh so instead of films getting a live action remake, uh or you know, prequel film, i.e. Cruella. Uh, what film would you like to see get an animated remake? Uh, and Shelzo lists an example, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, because she wants to see it be more trippy. Uh, does anyone have any solid answers for this? Solid answers, I'm not so sure. For some reason, my mind was going to a lot of, like, horror classics that I think would just be really cool. Yeah. Animated, like, um, The Shining or Psycho, maybe. Um... But honestly, I couldn't really, I don't know. We talked about Satoshi Kon earlier, who uses animation to the maximum like degree of creativity and like warping reality and memory and, you know, dreams and that sort of thing. But I, I think um, a, a little bit more like liberated uh, psycho where the, you know, the camera doesn't, isn't just stationary and, uh, they could experiment a bit more. Um, mm -hmm. And I also just think black and white animation is really cool and keeping uh, my, my version would, would keep the, you know, really monotone color palette, but that's my answer. I, I, I think that's a really good call. I, I was thinking about putting the shining on there as well uh, on my little list. I've got a couple actually, uh, but yeah, the, I feel like the shining in particular could work really well just because of a, uh, you know, it's kind of disappointing that Stanley Kubrick never did anything animated because I feel like he'd have a really good eye for that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, does anyone else want to go? Or kind of a hard question to really. I don't know. It is. I personally don't have an answer for this one. I just, I don't even have an explanation for it. I just, I could not come <laughs> up with something. Nothing first came to mind, so. Yeah, uh, like, I'm not a fan of animation films either. You're not a fan of animated films in general? 
Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, I- I've got a solid list that I think you guys will like, uh, but feel free to destroy me uh, if no, you disagree. Pitch them, pitch them to us. Sell it, sell yeah. it to us. Okay. Uh, my first pitch is my first pitch is a, is a recent one i know you guys have all seen it or, or at least i'm 95 percent confident you guys have all seen it it was nominated for a, a best picture uh, recently the father uh directed by oh, someone yeah. who directed mm. the father again it was uh florian zello i think i think that, i think that's his name or her name i think it's a I'm not sure, but the father uh, recently, just the way they play with uh, the the way they play with space and uh, the the new faces that you see pop up and everything, just the way you they play with perspective, I think would lend itself really well to uh, just animation. Yeah, uh, they could even use the same like voice actors for different like supposed characters, you know. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's a lot. Of, I feel like there's a lot of. That would be a really cool way to just show, I think, passage of time um, and just uh, spatial presentation as well. I don't think anyone can argue that uh, the father isn't really, really solid as it is. I mean, the the way they do it live action is like masterful. Like it fucks with your head. It's really insane how they do that. Mm-hmm. And every time they kind of do something new, you kind of like forget you're watching a movie about someone with dementia. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Fuck, this is like reality for so many people. Yeah, yeah, it just catches you off guard every time. Yeah. Uh, so my second pick, I don't know if you guys have all seen this, but I imagine that at least most of you have. Uh, Amelie, which is a oh, really. Yeah colorful movie and i think would be really cool as a 2d animation uh just the color palette uh i don't know how to describe it the best i could describe it is a a ratatouille color palette but not as in the movie as in like the food it just looks like ratatouille to me that's a fun pick i think amelie would be super super whimsical um if she were animated like Mm -hmm. just her body language and the way that she kind of moves I think that would be super cool. Yeah, uh, and my third pick is an action movie, uh, Upgrade, directed by Lee Wanell. Uh, hmm. If you guys haven't seen this, this is a... Have you guys seen this? I've not heard of it. I, you haven't heard it. of it? No. Okay, well, uh, first of all, it, the movie is a hard recommend. It's probably one of... It probably makes my top five action movies just of all time. I haven't wow. made a conclusive list, though. I, the action is superb uh there's a it's really hard to describe the action it centers around the main character in a way that i haven't ever seen action do it before basically the plot of the movie is well it's essentially venom but really good the the main character he ends up a paraplegic and this is set in a futuristic society so he solves the problem by getting a chip implanted into him which allows him full control of his limbs and stuff but uh he can't yeah yeah he has full control of his limbs but the the chip in his neck or whatever it has an ai attached to it so like venom it talks to him and it uh it can control stuff and uh when he goes out to seek revenge on those who paralyzed him 
uh, when he fires people, he can enable the chip to, like, take over. And when the chip is fighting people, it is f- so cool. It, the camera, like, he does backflips and stuff, but the camera follows him as he does backflip, like, and, like... Oh, yeah, everything I tracks him very yeah. hard. Yeah. The same director did um, Invisible Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's, this, there's like, a a scene uh eerily reminiscent in center yeah in a detention center where yeah i know what you're man, talking about uh kind of takes down all these guards in a very similar way that i i i was watching that and i was like wait this is the same director as that other movie it has to be yeah it <laughs> he has a really unique eye for action i think and i really hope he directs more action stuff or at least like movies with action sequences like that uh i don't, I don't want to uh, spend too much time talking about upgrade but i think it would look really cool animated uh, I'm, I'm i haven't decided whether it'd be better as a 3d or a 2d i'm thinking more 2d I, yeah i could see it as like a anime style like the blade runner 2049 prequel that they did i was thinking more like a sort of like a waltz with bashir or like like that sort of thing mm. uh more like a realistic uh realistic design but kind of like it looks animated in 2d uh so have you guys got any answer for this question or do we want to move on to the letterbox 250 discussion nothing on my uh, yeah. i'm sorry yeah maria's answer is i would not make any movies <laughs> animated yeah <laughs> movies no. are fine as is i don't get how you can not like animated movies they're so good I think right, the can... question is hard because I just, for me, there's just so many good original animated movies I love. Like, I don't know, things like Coraline, where it's just the content is, or Corpse oh, yeah. Bride. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can think of so many random one off films that the yeah. style is perfect for the story. So I guess when I think of live action, I can't think of examples of, oh, how would I translate this to a different visual style? That's my, that's my roadblock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it made it made sense with like uh, Into the Spider Verse was a really good like use yeah. animation, yeah. but it's or Soul if we're talking about like mm. 2D, 3D different animation styles all in one. Mm, I disagree on that one. I don't know. Oh, uh, actually, yeah, I I don't know. I love I love the style of Soul. I like the character designs of those kind of Picasso-looking abstract characters, but that's about the only thing I would say that the animation kind of makes better about the movie. I could easily mm. see that being something live-action. I, I thought the... I mean, I thought the quote-unquote real-life uh, stuff in Soul was, like, beautiful. Like, the most... Yeah. Like, the, I, I really wish I had seen that in a the theater, because... It was just some of the prettiest like our animation and it it kind of weirds you out sometimes going back to i mean you can go all the way back to like toy story one and that obviously mm-hmm. is kind of uncanny valley but even um there's no uncanny valley here it, it's yeah there's yeah it's 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 amazing it looks it looks lifelike especially like in, the the in, nature in shots the of uh and, and like just the wide shots of new york in general it's like indistinguishable from like mm-hmm. real footage of new york it's really something else uh, I, I haven't checked out that new luca movie yet but that looks pretty as well 
Yeah, I'm excited to see that. That it's an interesting style. Uh, okay, we should, we should probably talk about Letterbox 250 now, yeah. Let's do it. Anyways, we can talk about the Godfather 2 first because I think that's higher up on the list. Am I am I right? Yeah, you're right. It's uh number four. And and Harakiri is uh. I could be wrong actually because I. We can just talk about it first, anyways. If oh we yeah, want. no, Har- Harakiri is number four. Sorry. We, do we want to go in uh, chronological order to keep it uh, consistent? I couldn't care. I couldn't care less. I don't, Neither, I don't but I, I feel yeah. like I'll be unsatisfied. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you guys have seen Harakiri, I think. I I, ha- I have not. I have yes. I watched it this weekend. Yeah, I sought it out because it's so high on this. Um, I watched it a couple months ago, but it's really it really stuck with me. Got a solid five out of five for me. I I thought it deserves all the all the hype. Maria, have you seen Harakiri? She's too busy playing yes, Sims. Yes, I have. No. <laughs> Sorry, my mom okay. called me, so I, I I had to end it. Oh, okay. always pick up for mom. No worries, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Do you I usually will... like... I was going to ask Maria if she usually likes samurai movies. Yes. Maybe that phone call was... Right like now. as in now it might, it might yeah. be right now yeah <laughs> okay so <laughs> wait should we pause then because she's a part of this discussion yeah okay oh, yeah, I'm, I'm done sorry i, I oh, you're good. hung up no i we thought you meant uh the phone call was like before no no like right now she just hung, okay yeah, i just hung up so maria do you usually like samurai movies i don't think so no. I mean, the, I cannot think about any samurai movie I have watched that I have liked. Um, yeah, Seven Samurai, I didn't like it. Uh, Harakiri, I didn't like it either. Samurai Jack, that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> samurai Jack's a classic. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Uh, this was almost going to be yeah. a samurai-themed podcast. We were going to do uh, the three. We were going to do... What, what else we got yeah we're gonna do godfather part two and then we're gonna talk about harakiri and uh seven samurai back to back but we cut out seven samurai for time we're gonna talk about that next week alongside i think 12 angry men which is something i really want to talk about mm-hmm. uh but general thoughts on harakiri like five out of five it like how's the how's the content like i i haven't seen it what what's it sort of about give a summary uh it's um it, it's yeah, you go, of, you go. It's kind of complicated, and there's um, some like flashbacks, which I'm always a fan of, if they're you know actually done well and pertinent to the story and make it an interesting like watching experience. And I think this movie really succeeds at that. Um, there's a lot of names in this synopsis I'm looking at at Letterbox, but basically, um, It's it's a it's a time of peace. These samurai clans are, uh, you know, kind of just sitting around, not doing a lot. The um, what do you call them? Kind of, you know, the the ones that travel freely, trying to get work, uh, trying to get hired by different lords, um, are really desperate, um, and 
the the culture is such that the uh they basically choose death over like being dishonor or yeah um, that's the uh that's the tagline for the movie according to letterbox it says uh the world has never understood why the japanese prefer death to dishonor mm -hmm. yeah and harakiri is uh infamously named after the the ritual suicide by disembowelment yeah it's pretty um it's in other kind of famous sam or not samurai just japanese movies like ran um but it's pretty gruesome when it's depicted on screen like this and um basically the guys in charge of this uh kind of living center for samurai believe that these men are uh because a, a couple they they revealed that a couple months previously this guy came told them that he was going to commit seppuku uh hoping that they uh would think he's you know honorable enough to actually take on and like feed him for however long it is until he's needed again um and he's uh the story they tell the main character uh he he was so nervous he just like left um i think but it it gets a little con it's a little convoluted i'm sorry my memory can't like Recounted nah, per perfectly. M Maria, you just watched it yesterday. Is there anything I'm like really missing, or would you agree the kind of convolutedness isn't great? Yeah, I don't know what what was your experience? yeah. I mean, I mean, the the, the plot is basically that that uh, uh, there's this guy who's the supreme guy who mandates who gets killed or who doesn't. So there's this guy who wants to get. Uh, you know, Harakiri because he's been bad and uh, the supreme guy is like, no, how would I kill you if, you know, you you have dishonored, but that's not that wrong. So just keep living your life. And then this guy is just like trying to prove that he wants, like he deserves to die. And then his son-in-law, I think it's it's there and I don't know, it's just, just a family issue now. It sounds heavy, like... <laughs> I yeah, don't know. It's, <laughs> it's a story within yeah, a story structure, so you effectively have a story that's being told um, in the context of what has already happened, and those events are being explained, which, I don't know, I really appreciate. I have little to no exposure to samurai culture, so I loved that a lot of the cultural significance was explained throughout... Um, I don't know if we're doing a spoiler warning for this, so I won't give away anything major, but there's just there's a couple of key moments where the significance of it is explained to the audience in a way that doesn't break the narrative, like it doesn't break the spell of the story for me, and it seems, dialogue-wise, it just fits, it's appropriate, so I appreciated that a lot. Yeah, I like movies with kind of minimal... Uh sets or not minimal sets but uh you know very little few locations where st the story takes place and this is one of those where it's all kind of in the same uh temple maybe but mm -hmm. i i'm kind of proud of my review for this one it's really short i wrote um 
one of those movies you just have to sit back and try to take in as much as possible trying to predict what will happen next is absolutely meaningless so yeah I'd, I'd recommend it uh rowan it also um one i've of got to download it on my I... hard drive sorry you it's it's worth the watch i i was just gonna say one of the things that also impresses me is we have literally i think it's less than like 10 15 minutes of action total in kind of the whole production and it takes place near the end and it's masterful storytelling that it manages to keep you so especially visually engaged like there's so many pans and zooms every shot is shot with very clear intention and just the lines the way that the temple framing takes place so it's so visually interesting without necessarily kind of having i think what people would think is stereotypical stereotypical uh like samurai violence and conflict and fights and that tension is there but the actual action is not there until the end and that's some of the best moments too so it's more of a drama definitely then yeah mm -hmm. it's all it's basically all in anticipation yeah, I was having a the uh, I was having a look at the the genre tab on the letterbox, and it says history first, then drama, then action, which sounds like it matches with your synopsis. What's the plural for synopsis? Synopsi? Synopses? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, tell we us, can... uh, Maria, tell us why you didn't like this one because I saw you gave it a pretty low rating. Oh, I mean, I, it's just uh, the, the the pace was very slow for me, and uh, I don't know, I think I'm not in love with this kind of stories. It just mm. bores me, so I just couldn't get invested as much as I would wanted to, so I guess that's that's why the low rating. I mean, it's not a bad movie, and as you said, the, the, the shots and the editing and all the cinematography... It, is very cool and unique and uh, it is very well made but for me personally it's it's not a good movie like I, that i would enjoy yeah you, you've given it a four out of ten on letterboxd which is uh <laughs> yeah def definitely against the grain i mean i could watch it again Maybe You're one of more. 107 people who have given it that rating. Yeah. It's cool that you can see that, though. Letterboxd allows you to kind of have a look at how many people have given a movie yeah. this score. Like, 23 people have given this <laughs> 1 out of 10. And, like, 16,000 people have given it 5 stars, which kind of goes to show how respected this movie is. It made me very excited to see Seven Samurai, which I also haven't seen. And again, I have little to no exposure to samurai films, so I enjoyed it so much. I'm even more excited to see more samurai Look, films. I don't want to, like, take up all the Seven Samurai conversation for next week, but I've seen about half of this movie, and I didn't really like it that much at all. Uh, I don't know. I finished it. I don't know if it's uh well I haven't finished it but the problems I have aren't related to it not being finished like uh I I'll I'll rewatch it all the way through I'll find 7 hours of my day to sit through 7 samurai uh No that's that's Santiago 7 samurai is not 7 hours It is I swear <laughs> that one was long I think it's long no. but I 
Yeah, I think it might be over three. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, that that's a that's a bit more reassuring. That's not terrible. I, yeah, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a symptom of the the black and white. I feel like that's probably the main reason. Like, I don't know if it, I'm just really racist <laughs> unintentionally, but like, I couldn't really tell apart the characters. I'm not trying to make that sound like bad. Like, didn't I think like it was more a symptom of the the camera work and the costuming and stuff more than the. You know, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I get what you mean. I I had some troubles too. I was like, who's who? Especially when I couldn't. I, yeah, like my English speaking self couldn't really keep up with all the names, and uh, I'm not gonna try and say yeah. them because I'd butcher it horribly. But like all of these names are just ridiculously syllableless. <laughs> So, yeah, I think uh, Har Harakiri is probably a little bit more accessible to modern audiences. Seven Samurai is pretty esoteric, but I, I think that, like, I don't know. Once, I think you might change your mind about the second half. The mm -hmm. actual, like, of the town is just so epic, and there's so many horses and people just, like, dying left and right that it, it feels like you're watching history to me, but I, I'm excited to discuss that. Uh, I, I am a huge fan of uh, death. <laughs> Ethan, you would you would love Harakiri because the major theme is really that how a man dies is what matters, and kind of even more importantly, I think that he needs to die with honor. Like that's an explicit yeah code that they follow, and so how that kind of works within the family context within the clan context is yeah i'll check it out i'll, I'll watch it tonight I, i'm not gonna it. give any spoilers but i <laughs> i really enjoyed it yeah i'll watch it on my my legal dvd uh, <laughs> I, would uh argue, I would also argue as a last in defense of foreign film I, I don't know. I love black and white cinema because it's where we started and it's how cinema has evolved to date. And I don't know, to understand things from a different language and a different culture, I think that that does require a certain level of attention to detail and respect for the culture and research. And I think that's something we should always strive for, just to appreciate foreign cinema always a little bit more. Hey, Libra. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> pa part uh you just reminded me of what Marie was saying about Korean cinema last week and how there's such kind of a specific culture. I, I think Japanese cinema is totally worth like sinking your teeth into because even if you only watch stuff made before like 1965, there's going to be a lot of like repeated themes and, um, you know, just kind of greater cultural. There, There's events and, um, you know, the things that matter to people still kind of uh, echo to today yeah. and throughout history. Yeah, Maria did a cool little dive into Asian cinema last episode, which I encourage you to go listen to if you haven't. I don't know why you'd be listening to this if you haven't know the second episode, but uh, I remember Maria giving a cool little summary of her watching experiences of uh, foreign movies. M might have been episode one, actually. I think it was episode two. Do we yeah, want to move on to? What'd you say, Mary? Oh, uh, that foreign cinema is always rich. 
content which to 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 watch. I don't know if that's the word in English, but yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. Oh yeah, it's, it's okay cool. It's also um I was excited. It's our current region for for roulette this season. We're doing around oh, the world, yes. so we've been doing mm -hmm. different parts of the world for each round, and that's the region of the world we're in. So it was exciting to see some key um, Eastern Asian films come in. Yeah, I'm, I'm finally going to watch um, Akira Kurosawa's High and Low, which is like the first non-samurai Kurosawa movie I'm watching. Or like samurai era, I should say. Red Beard isn't really about samurai, but... Yeah. Did you talk uh, Godfather Part 2? Oh, uh, yeah, I was about to... I was about to segue into talking about LGBT, like, like queer cinema, and I, yeah, we totally skipped mm -hmm. Godfather Part 2. Uh... So yeah, who here has seen that? I have not. Okay. Which one? Uh, Godfather Two. Oh yeah, I, I think we briefly touched on I... Godfather Part Two when we were talking about Godfather One. I think, yeah, we can mm -hmm. kind of extend on that world. Uh, I I watched this for the first time. This isn't a repeat viewing for me. Uh, although, even without having seen the first one and the second one back to back, I don't think I'd be able to watch them back to back not only because it'd just be like such a, oh, yeah. a long time to sit through them uh but i think they're just tonally not similar like the first one feels way more fantastical in a way like you know what i mean it feels not real it feels like a like a story and the second one feels like it's way more set in real life uh so i feel like it'd be two very contrasting experiences yeah give us a quick summary because I, I i've seen it but it's been years um, oh man how do i how do i summarize I, it i i remember michael in a lot of conflict with his brother i think i think his name's fredo fredo yeah yeah uh, and then there's kind of a flashback uh that they keep on jumping to with uh robert de niro who i think won his first oscar for this playing young Vito Corleone. Who he won an Oscar for that? Marlon Brando played. I think so. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I don't know what he was up against, but I don't, I don't think it was that good. He was just kind of <laughs> there. Uh, but, I mean, everyone has to pay their respects to Robert De Niro, I guess, but uh, I thought he was kind of dumb. Uh, I didn't... I didn't like the flashbacks. Okay, I'll, I'll summarize it first, and then I'll shit on it. Basically, it, it continues from the first Godfather movie. It has Michael in the same position he was at the end of The Godfather. He is the Don of the Corleone clan. Uh, he, it, it's seven years on from the first movie, so he's, uh, he's fully kind of integrated into his position. Uh, he's dealing with dramas in the, in the present day. We have some fresh antagonists. We have uh, Frank and something i think it's like pan telegrini or something i don't i don't I, that could be completely wrong but uh, oh, oh, uh let me just i, I want to get this name right it's frank something where is it pentangeli i, I got sam pellegrino from the drink um yeah, so we got some fresh antagonists. So we got a uh, Frank Pantangeli, and we got Hyman Roth. Actually, I think that that's a bit of a 
spoiler, I think they kind of surprise villains, but uh, I, I might cut this out if I feel it's... I, th- I think everyone who's gonna... Ugh. Sorry, I'm, I'm butchering this. I'll probably just cut this whole bit out. Uh, anyway, so we got we got some fresh prota- uh, antagonists, and it, it expands on Michael's relationships with the people uh, he's close with, mostly like his family, so... Uh, Fredo, like you mentioned, and Connie, and his wife, Kay. Uh, also, he's got some kids in this movie, so that's a new dynamic. Uh, th- they're mainly used as a plot device, though, so I don't know if that really counts as a relationship. Uh, yeah, sa- same for Tom Hagen, who I think was a real highlight in the first movie. He's kind of put aside and also just uses a bit of a... He's just the lawyer in this one. He's not really a character. Uh... Yeah, and it also flashes back every half an hour or 20 minutes or so to go visit Vito Corleone, who is Michael's father who died in the last movie, and it documents his rise to power in the early 1900s. Uh, both plot lines are interesting enough. I just don't like how it cuts between them. Uh, it decides to cut at really bad moments just when it kind of... Uh, it cuts when it starts to get good, and each I find that each little section of the movie has its own like little mini narrative, and it has its own little mini section. It's it's very clearly divided into sections, or at least I think that. And as it reaches sort of the climax of each section, it thinks, "Oh yeah, we'll just cut. We'll, we'll just cut now," and that really pissed me off because oh, it resets every time. Uh, so, what, what are your guys' thoughts on this movie? I liked it. I mean, it, I think uh, as a sequel, it works and it just uh, delivers what it's supposed to deliver. Like it just goes, it gives the exact exact continuation that the first movie needed. So, I think it's a cool, uh, it's a cool sequel. I mean, I don't love it, but I enjoyed it as a Sunday movie, you know, just to watch it relaxed and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a respectable sequel, and it was really, like, well-made and everything. Yeah, I just had a few nitpicks. Uh, there's also a lot of continuity errors, which I don't know if I said it last episode, but just th- throughout both movies, there are a lot of weird editing choices and errors where, you know, like, someone's leaning forward, and then in the next cut, they're just slouching back just like stuff i noticed all throughout uh did uh what's his name al did out al, uh, al pacino did he get a did he get an oscar for this oh i don't know uh because lauren you said that uh robert de niro got an oscar for this do you know if it was for supporting or uh, uh let me look up godfather 2 oscars specifically okay uh i'll keep talking while you while you google that uh because i thought al pacino oh, yeah, was the, definitely the godfather... yeah um it got a lot of oscars uh and, and awards yeah al pacino was nominated for best actor and robert de niro won for best supporting actor okay so best support okay i'm glad it's supporting actor because yeah also won best picture director yeah that makes sense screenplay art direction anyway yeah 
yeah, this bit's like a solid four for me. Um, I, th I, I agree with Maria. It's a, it gives you more of the same. Um, four out of five, to clarify. I, yeah, four out of five. Um, I don't know. I, I honestly couldn't remember a lot when I was trying to recall. Uh, I was talking to, to Rowan over chat, uh, just like text chat, and he sent my favorite like text chat I've ever read on Discord, honestly. I, I just was remembering Vito Corleone um, killing this uh, Italian uh, crime <laughs> boss. Yeah. back in italy uh in whatever the 20s or the 30s um and i i <laughs> rowan said bruh he literally opens him like an aluminum seal on a nutella container and but it's and such a clean made, cut it made, it made me laugh out loud yeah he, he kills him with like a, a razor blade he has hidden in his shoe or something like oh, that oh man yeah, bruh, that, it, it, it made my day <laughs> he's made out of Reason fucking why. butter he he stabs yeah. him he slices him open it's it's satisfying because of the moment and everything <laughs> but that's not our torsos work <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm glad that made you laugh Definitely. uh so do we want to talk about the main topic for this uh podcast unless we have any closing thoughts on any of the movies we've discussed Jump into it. What was that, Maria? Not that Al Good is healthy. Uh, I I didn't catch that either. But uh, yeah, we can move into oh, the Al Good. Oh, 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 good. Okay, Everything yeah. Everything cool. is good. <laughs> Muy bueno. <laughs> Do we want to talk about uh the next topic and uh? Queer cinema. Yeah. I love it. Uh, right, that's enough of an intro. Oh, was that our intro? L let's go with it. <laughs> that sounded so bad. I, I mean, all the Just information. Rousing, like, does anyone care about this? And they're like, yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, for reference, we uh, we pause between segments, so uh. Don't think the enthusiasm died. We we're just we're just segueing from a off-topic conversation uh so uh yeah we're gonna talk about queer cinema today uh that's gonna be our main topic of discussion we're gonna do a little bit of a uh a breakdown on portrait of a lady on fire specifically i think as a culturally relevant uh and also kind of recent movie to kind of you know it's kind of making the rounds everyone's kind of seen this at some point or another i think it's I think I think being labeled is probably the best movie of twenty nineteen, or at least one of the best, besides Parasite. What? Am I am I wrong? In the no, no, Portrait of a Lady on Fire definitely has that. Um, that yeah, uh, re reputation. It it it's already. It I don't know if it's ever been higher than this, but right now it's at number fifteen on the Letterbox two fifty. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I, I've been, I've heard it uh, described as like a, a, a masterpiece, but I, I, we won't, we'll talk about that a little bit later. We want to do a little bit of a more general discussion on, uh, is, is it a genre? It's not really a genre. What, what, uh, oh, just a category. You can yeah, this category. Not, yeah, there's lots of different genres um, with queer people in them, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I, I find this a very kind of a... There, there are some conventions for 
LGBTQI movies that are are kind of different from a how to describe this that a lot of them are sort of more coming of age i find like at, at a higher ratio than normal kind of romance movies like you got things like uh call me by your name moonlight uh book smart to a certain extent even though that, that's kind of a side plot i'm just mm-hmm. these are just out of the ones that i've seen personally uh, uh perks of being a wallflower yeah a, a movie doesn't have to be about like being gay or or you know being trans uh to be uh i think queer cinema um book book smart's a good example of um comedy. just to being a detail a just a yeah it's, it's like a it's like a buddy comedy and one of them happens to be queer which i think is like really valid and important representation for um you know the yeah. time we live in because lots of kids are are growing up uh in a world where it's uh you know there's obviously very homophobic culture uh and it, it kind of depends on where you live but i was lucky enough to be brought up in uh a pretty like welcoming space but i i still was kind of taught subconsciously that i was you know straight automatically i mm-hmm. really hid any any, I, I mean, I like, oh, I over intellectualized going through puberty, like finding men attractive, actually, like, I finally figured out I was bi, but I would think, no, it's not, it's not like, I want to kiss them the way I want to uh, kiss pretty girls, I see. Um, it's just, it's just noticing uh, attractive men. And then I, you know, finally kissed men. And I was like, Oh, well, this this feels great too um and that that was kind of my my a short really short version of my story but um i i personally love the coming of age um like queer queer movies moonlight is at the number one spot on like my ranking of oh this is uh, a ranking not just a yeah this this list i call the central queer cinema because i i think um anyone with who wants who wants an idea should should check these movies out um yeah that's what i'm referring to right night. now yeah uh-huh. yeah this are yeah lauren's made a, a nice little letterbox list uh with a lot of yeah like you said essential queer movies that uh, i think most mm-hmm. of these are pretty good from from the ones that i've seen I, none here that i really wouldn't uh funnily enough moonlight's the only one here that i that i don't really like and that's the number one spot mm-hmm. but uh yeah I, I haven't seen that recently enough to kind of give a give a criticism on it you you don't really remember what do you, do you remember anything that didn't really you know resonate with you or uh you? yeah i a lot of it i just can't re- like i can't relate to any of it i don't i don't know if it's a reflection of its quality like in my opinion but i just didn't i didn't come out of it uh enjoying it or you know feeling that touched by it like none of the my experiences in life are completely uh completely different to that of the main characters and that's that's usually not something that uh separates me from liking a movie uh maddie mentioned to me a couple days ago that uh i i find movies that uh 
I, I find movies better that are more relatable to me. And, and I personally disagree with that observation because I can find enjoyment in a lot of movies that I don't connect to. Like uh, Promising Young Woman is one of my favorite movies of the last like decade. And that's mm-hmm. not, I, I, don't, I don't find myself relating to that in any way. It's just, yeah. I don't know. I just think this is a special case where I think it's a movie where you really have to connect with the main character. And I, I just don't. I mean, Moonlight uh, is exceptionally important because it it gives black culture a highlight within queer cinema as a topic, and that's something that really hasn't been done before, and I absolutely love and appreciate that that's the emphasis of the film. So that's that's my spiel for why Moonlight is fantastic. Yeah. Like, I, I, I can uh, appreciate it. That I, I don't want to... Sorry, I don't know if I phrased it as if it was, like, a bad movie. Like, it, it's very well made. Uh, I just didn't, like, Lauren worded well. I, I, I just didn't resonate with it. Mm. I, I do think, um, I don't know. I, I I wasn't aware of my the full spectrum of my sexuality when I saw Moonlight. I, um, I went to the theater with my high school girlfriend, and we didn't, it, we saw it before it was really like hyped up um it it, it you know won uh best picture as a kind of an upset that year um but i completely think this movie like just kind of tr- transports you and and makes you kind of feel feel the livid experience of um of the main character um, it does do that very well it, it has a, it has yeah. a very kind of how do i describe it it does catch you a lot mm-hmm. with the color yeah. palette and the cinematography uh especially roger ebert once called uh movies empathy machines and i think that is like a really good way to describe this one um Agreed. but you know following mm-hmm. the character from three kind of separate stages um the kind of confront confrontation in in the third act uh between the the two like leads is just so like emotional and like layered and i don't know i i've still only seen it that once but it it really sticks with you um it definitely has that kind of stereotypical uh a24 look but i think barry jenkins is just like a really great director i still haven't seen the underground railroad but did he do Street? 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 Yeah, yeah. It feels like could talk is also shot in this really like nostalgic. Uh, it it makes you it makes you like miss miss places and miss like memories that you don't haven't even had. You know, like mm-hmm. that. That's how I feel about about his style. At least I, I am looking now on Letterboxd at all these other shorts and like things he's worked on that I want to seek out, but. Yeah, I, I definitely get what you mean. I, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also the, um, I think the concept of unpacking the stereotypes that can exist within masculinity and then, like, the nature versus nurture perspective of how the main character is brought up and how his family becomes, you know, such a huge part of him discovering himself. Um, again, topics that I don't think are discussed enough and again i i really think we can't underemphasize like the weight that that holds for this film to be directed by a black director um, and to take that unique cultural perspective 
Yeah, I, I think I, I want to be able to talk about at least a couple other movies. I think it would be good to transition into um, one of the documentaries I put on this list, Tongues Untied, which is about oh. also, you know, the lived yeah. experience of of uh, Black gay men. Um, but Maria, you're the only other uh, host here, I think, who's seen it. Um, what, what do you, like, remember about it? Um... I, I think I can I confused it uh, tongues untied. Yeah, tongues untied. It's uh, it has two black men on the poster, um, orange, orange text. Oh no! Then then I confused. I'm sorry. <laughs> you you said it's an amazing documentary about snap culture. Um, the you know gay men popularized the. Can, can you like snapping uh to emphasize can you, you write know, the, the, the the name here oh yeah i'm sorry maybe uh, i i don't know how to spell it this one. Oh yes yeah it's it's very short but oh, it, yeah 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 and it's uh it it absolutely belongs on in, on like my top 250 list i think or i i actually made a desert island uh movie list that i'm like posting one a day i've been keeping up with that but oh the... that, thank you that this this one is high up there it's it's you've got a really a solid movie, list like, like it, it it finds its way at the you. top of my feed usually like yeah i mm. i agree with a lot of your with a lot of your picks that's that's good to hear um T tongues untied is very like avant-garde um it it's basically a bunch of different vignettes um You know, I think I like Paris is Burning better. Yeah, yeah, Paris, Paris is Burning is is a little higher on my list. Um, but yeah, it's a strong movie. I, I liked it. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. It was, yeah, between this one and and this one that you were discussing, uh, Moonlight, uh, I think Tongues on Tide is way better and it explores the theme more uh, raw uh and human than moonlight because moonlight is yes as queer as black but i think it's very dramatized and thongs on tide is just you know you see people doing people stuff you know like very slice mm -hmm. of life uh ish <laughs> you know? yeah it's I, more about the day-to-day -day experience of like yeah. living, living with aids for example but yeah there's kind of a trend in in queer cinema where you know queer people are just portrayed as miserable and their, their life is like only hardship and um only oppression but tongues of tide is really celebratory at times while also touching on those um you know more serious issues that weren't really getting the mainstream attention that they deserved uh like the hiv uh and aids ep epidemic but yeah that's very cool. I'm going to add it to my watch list. Um, I had not heard of it before seeing it on your list, so excited to check that out. Yeah, and you're, talk, you're talking a bit about cool. the, you're talking a bit about like the the stereotypes of like queer characters and movies, and I think uh, some of some of the best sort of representation from my probably. Uh, sorry, I'm just gonna just just ignore me. I don't want to say anything without knowing what I'm gonna say. So. Yeah. 
no don't even worry about that this is a safe place we we don't no we, no we don't... I, I didn't really have an idea on the top of my head of what i was gonna say so uh, I'll, I'll come back to it when something more relevant uh okay, happens well, what i'm gonna say of... yeah that okay the um a, a movie i saw recently uh boys don't cry which i thought was really good really kind of plays oh. that up and i mean it's based on a on real events but i think to some degree it, it kind of sensationalizes the violence that you know trans people experience um and you know, that yeah what what were you gonna say maria oh the tangerine uh, i haven't mm. seen boys don't cry it's in my watch list i i am really excited to watch it but now that you mentioned that uh tangerine is very uh about that too and it's very well made and it's not about the stereotypes and dumb shit like that you know it's very real very human very intimate uh it makes you feel em empathic to this uh kind of situations that people uh trans people suffer you know so mm -hmm. i think that tangerine is a good one too oh yeah i i highly recommend tangerine I, I need to see it again um i was lucky enough to see it in a theater um oh, but it, cool. it works completely fine on smaller screens because it was all shot on an iphone um yeah that's so cool too which gives it a really like realistic grainy like it, it feels like modern day um and it it suits the source material have rowan and mercy have you uh seen tangerine I haven't even uh, yeah. heard of it. What, what's uh, what's it about? It's directed by, it? by Sean by Sean Baker, who did the Florida Project. But it's about oh, uh, I love the Florida Project. Yeah, it's about uh, a prostitute in um, Los Angeles. Yeah, I was gonna say is it L.A. or Florida? But it's definitely yeah, it's definitely in L.A. Uh, yeah, and her uh, just kind of like day in the life, basically. Uh, mm -hmm. It's Christmas Eve. Um, does it feel like or, a, a Florida project? Uh, uh, to color some, wise, yeah. Yeah, yeah. To some degree, <laughs> it's it's very much like the colorful, kind of gritty underbelly of you know, uh -huh. urban, the urban America. Yeah, um, I, I love that. But, Florida. I'm adding this because I want to see more by the sky. Yeah, but you also... get. Oh, go ahead, Lauren. Sorry. Oh, I want to hear what you guys have to say. I was gonna say I something that I didn't know until I was reading up on it after seeing was that apparently the um, the leads had significant input into the dialogue that's actually taking place so you can tell when that like, happens like, like the references to genitalia or whatever those are things that were suggested by the actors themselves which I think is really cool um, especially when it's you know anyone who is a BIPOC or POC transgender person to have that kind of complete input into the creative process to make sure that it's authentic to the lived experience is incredible. You know, now that you say about that stuff, uh, I think one that is very powerful and very loud about these topics about uh, people in transition is uh, Tomboy by uh, Tiama, the, the same director that portrayed of a lady on fire mm -hmm. she um, made this movie tomboy it's so um i was very shocked because uh you know there's this stereotype that french are usually very wild with movies that are very uh, explicitly um 
showing stuff, you know, uh, about uh, sexual matters and stuff. And this movie, Tomboy, uh, it it is like that, but it's very powerful and, and, and shocking because it's about this girl who uh, wants to be a, a boy or wants she's she's like she's a girl, uh, maybe 12, 13 years or maybe less, and she is uh, um, exploring her sexuality and, and she's uh, well. Uh, yeah, she's thinking about uh, becoming a, a boy because she likes a girl. So it's about how she uh, explores all this stuff. But I mean, you can see how uh, she makes stuff to 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 look like a boy and stuff like that. And I think it's very um, uh, impressive um, to see that because I mean that girl when she made it I, I mean that girl is is no more than 12 and she's acting about that stuff and i think that's uh, even if it's acting i think as a girl in that age it's uh, you know uh it's it's uh heavy to interpret such a, a heavy uh, role you know because uh, i mean it's a very, I really recommend this movie because it's, it's really, really, really good, well made. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm still shocked because this girl is interpreting this role about this girl that wants, uh, that is not sure about she wants to be a boy or, or maybe she's just lesbian. But you can see the whole process and you accompany her in everything like when she's naked, uh, looking at her body, and she doesn't recognize her body and stuff like that. And she made such a great uh, acting role that I think that uh, it, it's uh, very respectful to to acknowledge uh, the way she interpreted that and, you know, kept uh, going on with her life and in what ways uh, she uh, became a uh how do you say when um you know when people look uh, how do you say that in english um how do you say when black people see themselves in in, in movie you know uh representation mm. you know yeah, yeah, like yeah. this kind of representation uh that uh i mean i was thinking myself if i was a 12 year old girl and i saw that movie i would be like wow that girl is having thoughts about other girls and she's my age and i'm watching this movie and you know i think that kind of representation is like way more powerful than watching two old uh grown-up uh, persons and um, that that are exploring their sexuality because i think uh there's many children or kids uh, that are uh, thoughtful about the sexuality and when they see more people in their age exploring these topics in films, I think that's that's really powerful and impactful, you know? Just to yeah. clarify, are we still talking about Tangerine or is this... Uh... No. No. Tomboy. Tomboy by Celine. Oh, okay. I was looking at the description. I'm thinking that's like weird. No, Tomboy. Okay. On the topic of 
I would say on the topic of just trans stories on screen, there's one of my favorite YouTube channels is The Take, and they have a great video on trans representation, um, which I think, I don't know, at least for me, a lot of my exposure started with Laverne Cox, like in Orange is the mm -hmm. New Black, the TV show. Yeah, me too. Then, oh, yeah. Um, some of her more mainstream roles, but I just, I don't know, that's a really cool examination for me of, I think when we think of queer cinema, trans stories aren't always maybe told as much and so it's cool to see that kind of representation breaking through a bit more yes thank you I for the recommendation really cool. maria yeah no, no problem. sounds really cool <laughs> yeah watch it this is very cool do we want to talk about portrait of a lady on fire now in a, in a little bit more of a focused discussion i mean it's the same director oh is it yeah good good yes. transition yes Lean's oh nice made, okay uh, there you go, there's yes, our yeah, segue. Marcus. I mean, we've ended up kind of just talking about different movies anyways, so, uh, yeah, this is one we pre-planned to kind of, uh, do a little bit, do a little bit of a dive into. We're gonna talk about a Portrait of a Lady on Fire a little bit later down the line, uh, as part of the Letterbox 250 discussion, because as Lauren mentioned, it's, like, number 15 or something, it's, like, up there, so we're gonna talk about this again soon, but, uh, as part of this conversation we we thought this was a good one to bring up as a little bit of a kind of a subtopic uh also something i wanted to to, to mention uh we're, we're doing this as a part of pride month we're, we're recording on the 28th of june uh even though it'll be uploaded around a week into july on just a little something i wanted to add um yeah, so does anyone want to start the conversation about Portrait of a Lady on Fire? No, I just want to say, very quickly, I appreciate how Letterboxd, when you rate this film, yes. they have fire as the little <laughs> star oh, icon. What? It's not related to the film, but I think that's such a cool little Oh, it picture. is, though. It's, uh, yeah. Because they just only really do cute. that for a couple of unique films. And, you know, like the horror genre, they'll do blood dripping from the corner, but... I, I, I just I love Letterboxd's stuff like if you shake it or something between 12 and 1 a.m uh it, a gremlin will pop up on a, on a on a mobile phone mm -hmm. it's like there's a lot of little references yeah, yeah that, that's a really really great thing to bring up go ahead maria because that's not related to the film itself what you were talking and i interrupted you I was talking what? <laughs> uh, it's all right. Uh, does yeah? Does anyone have any thoughts about the the movie? Would like to would like to share? We could go in sequence if we want. I I, I can start if no one's got any kind of starting go for thoughts. It. Uh, Take it away. So yeah, I, I don't know if I, I feel like I mentioned this earlier, but I I watched uh, Portrait. So in the same kind of context as Come and See last episode, I kind of watched it right as I was sort of getting into not-as-popular movies sort of for the first time, and it was kind of one of those movies I watched because I was trying to experiment with watching more, like, you know, like, lesser-known and more acclaimed movies. And as such, I think for, for my, my first viewing, I didn't really get enough of an, uh, an appreciation for it uh or like what you know how the codes and conventions were used to you know create this story but uh the second time through 
Uh, I still don't like it, but I think for different reasons. L not as much because I uh, don't understand it, because I, I definitely spent some time kind of investigating, you know, details about it and kind of following up on that. Uh, I, I, I think I have a little bit more of an understanding of the themes and what the director's trying to express. But, yeah, I, I still think this movie kind of doesn't resonate with me. Similar to the same reason as Moonlight, but also I just don't really like period pieces that much. Uh, yeah, and this one was getting a little bit on the long side for me. I feel like this one could have been a bit, a, a bit shorter. Uh, that, on top of the... Kind of, on top of the the symbols that are kind of so in your face that it kind of pulls me out of the movie a little bit. Uh, but I do love the ending though. The ending is one of the best endings I've ever seen. With the uh, the twenty eight on the notebook. I don't know. Are we doing spoilers? Do we want to do a spoiler warning for Portrait so we can talk about it a bit more freely? I'm trying to tiptoe around. Yeah, I, I think that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. So uh, if you I haven't mean, seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire, uh, go. Even go. knowing that. Yeah, even knowing that it's queer cinema could potentially be a, a spoiler. So well, it's on the poster. The movie. What do you mean? Is it? Yeah, uh, well, I, I think mean, the main poster the is, is them embracing, right? No, the, the no, no. main poster is her on fire. It's, it's a portrait after she walks of a After she walks in line. <laughs> the one I've seen is the one with a... Marianne about, and Eloise kind of is that like the header image on Letterboxd? Yeah, that's a backdrop. Yeah. Let me find it. Is it on your it, little? It is. I, I have it open because I was looking at the the. Like, yeah. It's really you click this link in that. So. No, no, it's not that actually. I, I I will I'll find it because I think it's actually a good poster. But it was uh what? Lauren, you were following me on Letterboxd, you little bitch. I uh, it was a joke. <laughs> I was I was curious what the little check mark did. <laughs> Oh. I followed. I followed you right back. Uh, I'm gonna find I this poster. At, I wanted to see what you reviewed it because you said you didn't like it, but you gave it three and a half stars. Just uh, of, I need to change my. I haven't actually logged it for my most. Re that that was more of a. Uh, wow. I I think I did that way back when I was too okay. scared to say I didn't like a movie, but I, okay. I definitely would have rated it lower. Yeah. I'm right now, though, I think I would leave it at that. So. Hmm. I think that's about where I'm at for this because I yeah I really love the directing I think the directing is pretty masterful but just the movie itself is uh, just not my jam uh someone someone else can uh, share their thoughts if they want I'm, I'm done I'll, well, I'll jump said, back in said, when we talk said, about camera yeah you said you didn't like uh period pieces but this, this is a story that is unique to this time it, it mm. i mean similar situations could potentially happen i guess but the it, it's very much uh it is very uh, set uh, in its time I, yeah it's, i know it's what a, you mean it's a movie about being a woman at this time as well and they uh i i think it's really interesting how uh the main character marianne is so much more liberated than uh heloise just because of her her class um he you know is able to go to the orchestra and uh yeah how the plot is set up is very reliant on it being set in this time period but 
Heloise, as you know, like a, a woman of status, has to be uh, kept from the world um, to you know, like preserve her uh, kind of potential as a, a, a as a wife. I guess is the idea. It, at least what I picked up on from like a, a lot of European uh, um, kind of cultures at this time. It was it was you know the women are kind of introduced at, into society. Um, but it's very much a movie about art. Uh, it's about uh, observing and uh, it being looks observed, like a piece of art. I think. Yeah. The color like, palette is, is very painting-y. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the I, director actually hired an actual oil painter, um, an artist, to come in and do all of the portraits. So I read that apparently whenever you see a hand that's actually painting, that's an actual artist's pa uh, hand that's doing the shots. Cool. Um, and mm. apparently she did that for the entire film. So there's so many cool artistic touches like that that I think make this particularly a special um, piece of work for me. That's really cool. I I, I really like a because one of the one of the plot points in the movie is that the first painting that Marianne does is kind of like lifeless. It's it's purely just uh, a reflection of what she observes uh, of Eloise and you can see it in the actual painting they don't just say that through exposition they show you the painting and you can see exactly what they mean by it's lifeless it's just a, a blank expression and uh i think that's how they'd have to do it they'd have to get in someone with a a really good understanding of uh portraiture i, I guess uh like because you can see the difference between the first and the second painting even though they're virtually the exact same it just kind of yeah, that was just a, a very subtle detail that I, I think uh, went a long way. Yeah, that's a good point. Do, do you guys know what I'm, like, referring to with the, with the two paintings and how they're... they're just, yeah. This... It's, it's not just her expression. It, it It's hard. It's uh, sort of an uh, ineffable, like... Yeah. Hard, hard to put your finger on... Uh, you know, but, but at the same time, uh, you can see it instantly. Mm -hmm. Mar Marie, how do you feel about this movie? Oh, I like it. Uh, I mean, I think uh, when I watched it, I was so in love about the, the movie that I just decided to watch all the director's filmography. So I just watched all of Tiama's movies. And I decided that from all the movies, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire is not my favorite, but still very powerful. I think it's the most um, fantastic and um, uh, drama, dramatic, but in a, in a is, story. Is Tomboy your favorite? Wait, wait. What? what? Is Tomboy your favorite? Of she directed Tomboy, did you say? Yeah. Um, yeah, probably Tomboy is my favorite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then, then probably Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And then the, the other the other movies. But yeah. Um, 
this movie was uh, very uh, fantastical and very princess and uh, like in a tale, you know, like a child's tale. Yeah, I, I thought it was uh, very, very like that. You haven't uh, logged Portrait of a Lady on Fire on Letterbox. What what would what kind of score would you give it? No, I have it. Uh, I give it a four. Yeah. Okay. Four out of five. Yeah, four out of five. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a four, four point five for me. It's like near, near perfection. I think, um, just a really, like, compelling and romantic, uh, movie. I think it has a couple similarities to Call Me by Your Name, especially in just how like drawn out the first half is and like how long it takes them to actually you know admit that they have feelings for each other but Mm -hmm. you can absolutely see it on uh eloise's face especially i mean like the moment i think i could just like tell that they were in love was uh uh when marianne is playing the no it's when she's playing the harpsichord for her and Heloise is just like looking at her with such admiration. Yeah, admiration. Uh, yeah. Not just yeah, not just for like being able to play music, but you know, wanting to share it with her. Not caring. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, being ha- having that uh freedom. She calls it liberty. Um when they equality. talk about the... They talk about equality yeah, in a very uh kind of different sense, like you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're equal in terms of, uh, like, okay, like you said earlier, there's, there's a bit of a focus on kind of, like, being the observed and being the observer, and, uh, mm-hmm. there's this really key moment at the be- at, in, like, the middle of the film where, uh, they, they, they become equal, uh, through, through camera work and, like, through dialogue, uh, do, do you know which bit I'm talking about? If you don't, I'm, um, I'm glad oh, because I, I think no, no, no. I think we should. I think we should talk about it. Are you talking about when? I think yeah. Eloise I think you know what I mean. Like if you're if you're looking at me, like look yeah, at who I'm looking at yeah, yeah absolutely. That is, that's the best bit of the whole movie for me. But actually, probably maybe besides the ending. But they're like tied. That that was such a. I I skipped over that when I first watched it, and the. The second time that really hit. That was such a a key moment because like yeah. yeah, I think it's kind of when uh, Marianne realizes, you know how it's it how reciprocated her um, kind of crushes. Uh, it, it's it goes deeper than just a crush. Yeah. And uh, I, I want to talk about camera. I've mentioned camera a couple times, but I want to talk about this scene in particular because I watched a really cool video by uh, Lessons from the Screenplay. I wanted to kind of break down. Uh, the observations he made about the scene uh, yeah so at, at the start uh there's two different shot types uh, that are used in the scene the first one is kind of a, a really close up on uh, uh on marianne as she's painting eloise who's the subject in the scene and she's kind of held in a, a very wide shot she's kind of exposed uh she's the observed in this scene and there's a part where Marianne is feeling confident and she decides to uh, 
you know, uh, tell Eloise that, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm the observer, you know, I, I, I notice all of these things that you do, uh, I know, that, that came off to me as a little bit, like, you know, over cocky, like, you know what I mean, and, uh, that's represented by, it's really hard to explain this without actually having the scene in front of me to reference to, and kind of, like, I, I, I highly advise, uh, watching a video by Lessons from the screenplay on Portrait of a Lady on Fire, where it really breaks down the scene, uh, in a really digestible way, but basically, as you mentioned, as Eloise kind of reveals that she's been kind of watching Marianne in the same sort of way, uh, and making the same kinds of observations, the, the camera slowly zooms in on her, and it zooms out on Marianne, so suddenly Marianne is the one that's being observed, and Eloise is the one that is the observer, even though she's the subject, and it it creates a kind of equality that's like between the two characters that I think is really like uh, you know really great. I don't know how to describe it better than that. Yeah. I don't mean to speak over you guys. If anyone has uh, no, no, you're good. <laughs> I feel like I'm speaking a lot. If it, yeah. It's, I mean, there's so much to say about it. I, mm -hmm. It's, I think, maybe not my favorite of all time, but very much one of my favorite slow burns, I think, that you can um, Slow burns. Well, <laughs> it's just, it's meticulous storytelling, and I think I said this about uh, Hakari T, but it's just every single shot has so much intention behind it and selena's really mastered i think oh my voice is going out that's bad mm. um <laughs> selena's really mastered the art of the female gaze which i think is really hard to do in an appropriate way that tells the authentic story of um two women falling in love through the delicate details of one another so i i love this film i love it visually i love it poetically those are oh, really cool yeah it's so beautiful I watched a I video agree. essay on this uh, on this movie, and the the title was uh, "Celine made this for the gays and the gays," as in like the two different spellings of like G A Y S and G A Z E. Oh yeah, I <laughs> thought that was pretty. Clever. <laughs> That's good. This is uh, a weird nitpick, uh, that, but something that I just really like about the movie: the actress that plays Celine's mother looks exactly like her they look so related and that's not just me making generalizations about like french people french helena bottom carter yeah mm. no she they she looks like the mother absolutely 100 percent. like i i never doubted it for a minute and um even there i mean she has a very different like kind of station and she's at a different kind of place in her life also uh, is it is it just me or does every single person in this movie uh, look like a, a mainstream American actor? So you got Emily Blunt, you got Maisie Williams. Uh, <laughs> they're going to make an American remake. They've got their cast already. They look like dead ringers for. Oh my god! Please don't remake this movie. I'm no, so... don't don't do that. But also, <laughs> that would be a good cast. <laughs> I I also love their um, reading of the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice mm -hmm. that Eurydice <sighs> called 
Orpheus and that Orpheus is choosing like the poet's ending rather than like that of the lover because the common interpretation is that Orpheus loves her so much and he's so afraid of losing her that for some reason at the last minute he looks back and I I really like the character Sophie in this movie is like that that actress just plays her perfectly um she's she's so yeah she's so upset and she has you know the indignation of a child that like why would he do that he was he was told not to and he was so close um it's just one of my favorite kind of pieces of mythology and um i love how much it plays into the themes of the story um yeah even, that, that, uh... even though even though there's there's this kind of tragic uh ending of you know they can't be together they it's not societally social yeah it's not socially acceptable and there are three uh, tragic endings to this movie yeah yeah absolutely and it's so hard to see them kind of say goodbye but um you know she chooses the she 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 has to choose to remember and um mm, even though choice. yeah yeah i i really i i this is my second rewatch i completely forgot about the opening scene of her posing for her students and um at the very end of the movie when they're like turning in their sketches uh she kind of remarks that like oh you made me look sad and this this one uh student is like well that's you know that's what you looked like so she was you know able to kind of capture this authentic uh rendition of marianne uh remembering you know this love that she lost another moment of uh another moment of of, that kind of emphasizes that theme of observer versus the observed is that opening scene where she's directly telling the the students like what to draw like matching kind of I had a thought that I wrote down in my notes, but it, but it's incomplete. I don't know how to kind of follow that up. But I don't know. I feel like if you know what I'm talking about, you know, like, you know, I can't explain it to people who don't know what I'm talking about. But if you know what I'm talking about, great. <laughs> I might cut that out. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I think my throat's going out too. Uh, Mercy or Maria, do you guys have, do you guys, uh, have any tangents you want to go on about this movie? No, not me. Not any tangents, but I, yeah, <clears throat> I I just I love it. I really do. It's also one of the very <laughs> rare films that is pretty much exclusively about women made by a woman. That's another oh, rare yeah. feature, and like I no love men. that because it's yeah, it's just it's two women who exist entirely outside of the framework of a male-dominated society and maybe that's why i appreciate it so much mm-hmm. oh yeah that's that's a plus yeah we need less men in movies in my opinion oh agreed yeah. uh anyway so we can probably wrap it up there i feel like we're all kind of losing steam at the moment so uh yeah do we want to do a couple of final plugs for our our socials you can uh, get the you know you can find me on twitter on the new podcast twitter i've got that set up now i i I briefly hyped it last episode but uh yeah you should follow 
see how we're all doing. Keep up with the podcast news. You can follow Mercy on Instagram if you want to talk about that a little bit. Yes, you can follow the Watch and Wine Discord on Instagram at Watch and Wine Discord is the handle. Uh, yeah, and also, uh, if you're listening to this and you're not in the Watch and Wine Discord server, uh, what are you doing? You should join us. Yeah. You can listen to us Getting live. Over here. Yeah, you can say hi to us. Uh, th- there might even be that weird effect where if you listen to someone on a podcast or like a Twitch stream and then you join their Discord server, it, it makes us seem really cool. And I love seeming cool to people. Uh, you can also you can join streams and you can join roulette with us and mm-hmm. watch all That's of the movies of that we discuss on here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's also just like a really welcoming environment. Like a lot of uh, I find a lot of Discord servers nowadays where it's like you got you got a handful of members who are kind of regulars and then if you try and join the server, everyone just kind of they've already made their the the group is already kind of settled if you know what i mean and any newcomers aren't really i i find that to be the opposite uh in this case i feel like new members are very welcomed Uh, i see new faces all the time uh and yeah as mercy said you can come in you can come in and leave questions and listen to us live as a bunch of people have for this episode so so shout out to our viewers yeah. Or, or listeners? I guess. Listeners. Anyway, so that's going to be it for the Watch and Wine podcast this week. Uh, if you want to join us next week for for the next episode, we're going to be talking about, as part of our Letterbox 250 challenge, not a challenge, kind of series, we're going to be talking about 12 Angry Men and 7 Samurai. We're almost going to do a samurai-themed episode and put Harakiri and 7 Samurai in the, in the same one, but that didn't work out at the time. Yeah, so uh, if you want to keep up to date, Seven Samurai and Twelve Angry Men will be the next things we talk about. We haven't decided on, I guess, what the next themes, that the next podcast theme is going to be. Uh, yeah, but we're always open to ideas if you want to shout a message at us. Anyway, so my name is Rowan. You can find me on Twitter at Rowan underscore Roz or Letterboxed at Rosace. That's R-O-Z-A-C-E. Uh, joined today by my co-hosts Mercy, Maria, and Lauren. Uh, hi, well, bye. My name is Maria, and you can find me on Letterboxd as Maria R O M. I'm Mercy. <laughs> you can find me on Letterboxd at literally underscore Mercy. I'm I'm Lauren. I'm on Letterboxd as well at Lilla's at. And Lauren is our new regular, so we're excited to have him with us all the Yay. time. Yay! So we're now we're now a panel of four. Yay. Yeah. Anyways. Equal representation. Yeah. <laughs> I think everyone one here is from One man, two uh... girls, and one gay. <laughs> well, one gay, six <laughs> Yep. Are all of us from different countries That's... as well? I don't want to make the outro like too long. I feel like we've been t- we're making this outro conversation like five minutes long. Lauren and Lauren and I are Americans, right, Lauren? Right. <laughs> and and I'm obviously Scottish. So three countries. Nice. No one laughed at my joke, so I'm just clarifying. I'm not Scottish. <laughs> we didn't think so. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Anyways, uh, have a good one, everyone. Yeah, see you. Good night. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Watch and Wine podcast. Make sure to Google our Discord server, Watch and Wine, to meet us and listen to these podcasts live. You'll also meet a ton of other like-minded users who love film just as much as you do. And as always, have a good one.